Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Winza Burns, and my counterpart, Savon Morris, was not able to be here um, for this one. But tonight, we're joined by a special guest, once again, Alex Hampton, um, a good friend of mine and head of Momentum Media, a great channel where he interviews celebrities and actors, directors, and getting into just all movie news and pop culture. Um, he was with us back in um, back in March, I believe, for the Zack Snyder uh, Justice League review. And um, just it's great to have you back on, man. Thanks for being on. By any time, man. I'm glad to be on. Um... I had fun last time we did uh, the review, so yeah. I can't wait to have fun this time. Absolutely. And uh, for this episode, we're going to do an exclusive Candyman review, um, the, the the latest film out from uh, Nia DaCosta. And to start off with the overview of Candyman, it's a 2021 supernatural slasher film directed by Nia DaCosta and written by Jordan Peele, uh, Wynn Rosenfield and DaCosta. Um, the film is a direct sequel to the 1992 film of the same name and the fourth film in the Candyman film series based on the short story, The Forbidden by Clive Barker. The film stars Yaha Abdul, Mateen II, Tiana Paris, Nathan Stewart, Jared, and Coleman Domingo. Vanessa Williams, Tony Todd, and Virginia Madsen also reprised their roles from the original film. I uh, had a budget of $25 million, brought in $15.9 million in the box office, and has an 85% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but but looking back, looking at just you know your first watch of this, what are kind of your initial thoughts on this film and just the direction blend of social commentary with horror that Nia DaCosta was able just to deliver and convey? You know, at first I was kind of, um, I was kind of skeptical because, oh, I'm sorry, my daughter's playing with her toy in the background, so if it picks up, I do apologize. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so at, at first I was kind of like uh, hesitant because I'd never seen anything from Nia DaCosta. And then when I read that Jordan Peele was a part of it, I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a chance. So I went into uh, the theater and watched it, and just the opening scene, just like, sucked me in and it wasn't i didn't really classify it as a horror movie i classify it as a uh like a a thriller like well not necessarily like more so like a horror thriller but more so a thriller than anything horror because it was like on the edge of being a thriller slash horror like it it just kind of had that that blend yeah and it really showed i believe how black people would deal with something supernatural so so I mean, but ultimately, ultimately, I I enjoyed it uh, for what it was, and um, I, I really I, what I really liked uh, was the uh, social commentary amongst all the characters. Yeah, and I also like how Candyman was being portrayed in this uh, particular series. Yeah, definitely, it, it definitely was one of those things where the representation and what they were addressing was just I feel like really poignant and and just very accurate in terms of it, like, and, and for the expectations of it, like, did you have, like, before we get to the first topic, did you have, like, a high set of expectations for it, or was it one of those things where it was more, like, just a curiosity of something that you have a very impressive cast, especially with Yaha Abdul, uh, Mateen II, heading it up, it, it's, you, you know you're going to have a star-studded cast, was it more of, like, uh, expect, high ex- expectation or more of just curiosity for what this would, for what this could be? Um, my expectations were really low because I, I'm not really a horror dude. Like, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I watched, I mean, I'm a Jordan Peele fan, so I, I watched Get Out and then I did watch Us. Um, mm-hmm. But like, you couldn't pay me to get out my house to watch a horror film. And again, like, I never uh, knew anything about Nita Costa until I saw the movie. And then yeah, so this was the first time I actually heard from her. Heard yeah, about like, her. Yeah, like the first time I really heard hold, uh, uh, 
heard about her is when I heard she got announced to direct the Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the trailer came out for Candyman, I was just like, okay, like who's this Mia Casa? And then when the announcement came out that she was directing the Marvel movie, I was like, oh, okay, this is who she is. And then again, going into the theater, again, low expectations, not really expecting much. And then immediately I was just sucked into the film and I, and again, I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed everything about it because there are some things I didn't necessarily understand. Um, yeah. Like why, like uh, there's a particular scene, which I'm sure we'll probably get into later in the, in the review, but there's a particular scene where, you know, there's only one guy really investigating this whole Candyman thing and everyone's not, everyone's like making it more nonchalant. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really understand that because clearly the bees were stinging not just him but everybody and like people were testing their boundaries so why would this guy make up something that's obviously has some truth to it you know so overall i mean i'm glad i had my expectations low because i i came out of the the movie really enjoying it yeah for sure um and and that's another thing like there were some parts of it i fully did not understand near the near the latter end of the movie i feel like it's one of those things where with any, this this wasn't you know fully directed by Jordan Peele. He just he he wrote it. But with any film associated with him in some type of part, I feel like you're gonna need a couple of rewatches to really like understand everything. And you still may not fully understand it um, until maybe a couple or, or three years later. But uh, getting to our first topic, from one to four stars, what would you give it? Uh, with with just from what you saw, the, the low expectations you kind of had with it, what would kind of be your rating for it and some of your reasons? Okay, so from one to four stars. For a for the first time watching a uh, what's her Nina name? Sorry, yeah, Nina Casa film. I would have to give it. Uh, I would have to give it a three. I wouldn't give it a perfect mm. four because this is not. I mean, this is a movie I would probably take like my friends or my wife or someone to go see. I yep. wouldn't go see it again. Like I wouldn't physically go see it again, but I would take some friends to go see it. I would have to see um, it with somebody else again for for me to like rewatch it. Exactly, and like for me. The what I, what I'm looking for in a movie, especially in a movie like that, I'm looking for like a good plot, good good compelling characters, and a somewhat satisfying ending that leaves me like guessing what could happen next in the sequel or if they choose to move forward with the sequel or if they choose to complete the movie altogether. Because I went into thinking that this was going to be a reboot, but it's actually a continuation of yeah. the actual Candyman franchise. And again, I'm not a horror dude, so I didn't really watch. The previous films. Yeah, I didn't watch any of the any of the any of the last films. Exactly. So I I didn't watch any of the films either. So it wasn't until after the fact where I went back and started watching some of the films, and I kind of understand why Candyman is who he is after going back and doing my history of the films. Because now I can understand that in the pre in the old iterations, he was more so. Um, doing this to be vengeful in this movie, it seems like he he had the vengefulness, but it, it was like he was trying to make a point in a sense. Yeah. So that's what I kind of took away from it. So, but overall, I would have to give it three stars for the first time watching one of her films. I would have to give it three stars. Mm, yeah, uh, I, I would I would go kind of similar to that. I would give it a three and a half. I feel like the not fully understanding every part of it near the latter end of the film kind of took away some of like my overall just, you know, um, enjoyment of the movie. Like to me, it was just a really masterful product and the layers of social commentary on issues such as, you know, gentrification, racism of authority are just combined with the creative cinematography and and especially the interesting use of um, the plottings is done in a unique, expansive way 
Um, but getting to favorite character, um, our second topic, I would have William Burke because to me, he has just a very pivotal and strategic role as he really cues in Anthony to let him know um, everything he needs to know about the neighborhood, the legend of Candyman and the dangers of it. And I feel as though Coleman Domingo, who, who played this role, is just uh, has just, just had an exceptional career and really in the latest strings of films he's been able to do also in the um, HBO series Euphoria, he's really been impressive with the body of work he's put together. Um, but to you, kind of like, who was your favorite, pr- pr- particular favorite character uh, in this movie? You just nailed it on the head because that was my favorite character. <laughs> I'm not going to, because like he, he's very sure of himself. And the one yes. thing I loved about his character, you just saw his progression throughout the movie, mm-hmm. you know? And then also I loved, and I, I can say also, I loved uh, Tiana Paris's character as well. Oh yeah, she like, killed it. She, I mean, and you know, they, the way they had every scene that they had together, I was like, I want more of this, you know, because it was magic. Really, exactly. Like it was like chemistry right off the back. So I just echo everything that you said, because that's exactly what I was going to say. Like his particular character in general, I believe set the tone for that film. I don't think that if his character was as pivotal as it was, the film would have, wouldn't have been so good. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and, and now transitioning to most memorable scenes, um, I had Troy tells a scary story, which was n- near the beginning of the film. Um, also, Tony hears the Candyman legend from Burke, uh, the bathroom encounter where four students call for Candyman five times together and another Candyman uh, murder follows. Um, Anthony telling Brianna about Candyman and trying to convince her to call for him at their apartment. Um, also, the elevator scene where Anthony gets stuck in the elevator at the library where he's searching for more information on the story of Helen Lyle and sees Candyman again before he's able to get out. And then finally, Candyman is not real. Um, Brianna sees all of the paintings that Anthony wanted to keep private, and Anthony is admitting he made a mistake and and brought him back. Then Brianna eventually leaves after she desperately uh, tries to convince him this is all a myth. But in in terms of most memorable scenes, and maybe whether it be some or or some that I mentioned or some that I I, I forgot to mention, uh, what would kind of be one one or maybe two of your memorable scenes? Okay, so the first one would have to definitely be the elevator scene. Yes. Um, that like my skin, even thinking about it, my skin was crawling uh, because I got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't even know. I didn't think Odu was gonna make it out of there. Yeah, I, didn't, I thought you. that was gonna be like <laughs> it for him. I thought like, yeah, it's about to be a rapper him right there. He's not getting out of this. <laughs> exactly, and I wouldn't be mad if they dropped the credits right afterwards yep. <laughs> because I was just like, of an appropriate ending. <laughs> exactly, I was like, oh snap. Yeah. Um, but, but the next thing is that it's, it's not necessarily a particular scene. It's just the main character trying to convince, uh, you know, Tiana Paris's character and other people that Candyman is a very real thing. And then everyone yes. is coming to him saying like, it's a myth, but clearly stuff is happening where he's like, it's not like he's making it up. It's kind of like how you hear. You know, back in the days when people say you never want to cry wolf about stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it was people like, aren't going to believe you. They're not going to believe you. And then it, I, it made me think about, you know, you know how many times black people voice their trauma or voice something? And then it, it just gets the, muted. We're all, exactly. We are met with the response all the time. Like, oh, he's just exaggerating or he's like, nah, he's being sick. Now, at, at first, you know, he, he is in the beginning of the movie. He's like taking it as a joke. No, he's saying like, you know, say the name, you know, all this other stuff to a a degree. But then as it gets serious and he's like investigating this, nobody gives him the time of day. And you just see that progression throughout the movie. So those would have to be the two things. But like, you know, like I said, I think the most memorable scene in that whole movie 
was that elevator scene. Elevator, that it took the just, cake. It took the cake. <laughs> yeah, that joke was crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And um, before we move on to our next topic, with especially with Yahab Abdul, um, with, with with the actor Yaha, um, in terms of just like how he was able to be the main character of this and, and possibly just what his future is going on forward, like what were your, kind of your impressions of him? And do you feel as though he can be in more big time films where he's able to show his versatility and the type of actor that he is coming up? Oh yeah, I mean, this dude has so much range. You know, I I I I foresee him in major big projects. I see him also working closely more with probably with uh, uh with um um Jordan Peele, um maybe something in Warner Brothers. I I have a feeling. I don't know this for a fact. Uh, he might be in a, in another in a Marvel movie at some point. You know, he could be. Um, you know, I also heard some- he might be in, in the Matrix Four. I think. I think he may be uh, in that. In that, yeah, I was just about to say, like, I heard he yeah. was in a Warner Brothers movie, which is, is which is a Warner Bro- uh, Matrix is a Warner Brothers movie. So, yeah, I mean, I see him progressing. I would love to see a a dramatic another dramatic film, but like a like him being like a cop investigating something mm, a different like role. like yeah like 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 something like an Alex Cross, but not the new Alex Cross, but the old Alex Cross played by Morgan Freeman, where he's investigating these rape victims. I yeah, because the new can... Alex Cross was trash. The new ex- oh, yeah. <laughs> Alex Cross. Oh yeah, yeah. That, I don't know what Tyler Perry was thinking just going to say that, that early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know who paid him and said that was okay. I was yeah. like, well, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It'll just leave that to Morgan Freeman could have exactly. still did Alex Cross. He's still alive. Still today. Still, uh, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. but I think he, if he were to take on a role like that, that would be dope. Or I would love to see him take on a role, like a villainous role, mm. um, like being a main, like, you know, that, that main villain, like a Nino Brown, you know, but more yes. strategic or like a cotton mouth from Luke Cage, you know, like that would be crazy. So, but yeah, I think he, I think he has a bright future ahead of him, especially how uh, well uh, Candyman did well in the theaters this weekend, this past weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into the second half of our Candyman review. And to start with the most memorable quotes um, I had, I feel really connected to the story from Anthony. Um, you look up the Candyman; he is he's the monster. It's part of this neighborhood from William. Um, that neighborhood is haunted from Troy. Also, I'm hoping to spread the story all about Candyman from Anthony. And then finally, I am the writing on the wall, the sweet smell of blood, be my victim um, from Candyman. Uh, to you, kind of like what were some of the quotes in this film that really stood out to you and the ones that you kind of thought about the most uh, leaving from it? So I would have to say I am in the wall. I, I, I am the writing on the wall, the sweet yes. smelling victim. Um, that was a terrific quote. Because... What I what I maybe and maybe I interpret it wrong, but what I got from it is that you can't run from me. Yeah. He's inevitable. And he's inevitable. So it's like it's like there isn't anywhere you can go. The only way you can escape from the candyman is death. Mm-hmm. That's a very scary thought. You know what I mean? Yeah, it really and, is. And so as I'm watching the movie, that's the only quote that really stuck with me. Because it's kind of like you the thing that kept popping in my head was like, you, you have to be careful what you ask for. And you have to be very careful about playing with those types of spirits. Cause that kind of stuff is not, 
it's not kosher. You it's know? almost like it's almost like this was the only quote that really mattered because everything else that was said, it didn't even like it, it, it couldn't result into anything if he's going to always be around. Exactly. It, you know, like he, if he's always going to be around, there, in my opinion, I don't care what anybody said. You yeah. know, it that that <laughs> that thing, like just to know that you cannot run from this, that is crazy. You know, mm-hmm. so that's that was the main one that stuck out to me. Definitely. Um, well, not listening to what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, for me, just how it highlighted the the upward mobility, mobile black artists knowing and acknowledging that they were in just a double edged position, being in a white art world that exploits the raw material of their lives while, while subject for mobility's sake. And this was, you know, really one of the reoccurring themes and focal point of the film. Um, kind of like what particular element of this storyline did you really like the most? Um, I kind of like the the detective aspect of it mm. like he's he's essentially investigating a ghost yeah and then what i also like the uh the uh the so again the social dynamics of also like like it's kind of like that stigma of like with black people like you had the people questioning the main character like why are you investing something that's a myth like why are you putting so much energy into something that obviously is not proven true and it's like it's kind of like it's, it's, it's like it's it's like that movie it's like that scenario where you have one man against all of these people who don't believe you and these are people who love you and these people who know who you are and all the other stuff but I guess one of my my favorite moments is also is that when you see Candyman like wreak havoc amongst all these people and I'm like in my mind I'm like if I'm Candyman be like oh I bet you believe me now you know <laughs> You know, so it so just the progression and also the detective aspect, even though he's not like a cop or something, it's not like even if he were to prove that he was right, he can like cast him away. He just wanted to be proven right and say, hey, this is this is a real thing. And and also the gentrification aspect. It's a black man living in a, in a white neighborhood. And you would think that, you know, Candyman, if, if Candyman were a person of color, he wouldn't come there. But, you know, Candyman has killed white people as well in the previous movies. Yeah. So, so I, I actually, those elements are really what I, I loved about the storyline. Yeah, and trauma was, like, one of the main, like, just points of the film, I feel as though. Because Anthony, there was a trauma that he was dealing with from his past always. And just kind of, like, always thinking about, like, you know, with the situation with his mother and then knowing, like, the history of Candyman. Now that also, like impacted him that was a, a very strong point and even, and even w- with what his wife was going through and just mem- mem- remembering the history of Candyman and how that was for her childhood and what happened to her father like do you feel as though that was the element of trauma like do you feel as though that may may have been like one of the most consistent themes and storylines of this film especially with how it ended and there was just always everybody was looking back at their history and past when they had to think about who Candyman was yeah and you kind of hit the nail on the head because it's like it's like how we deal with trauma is very unhealthy yes so like it's not it's not something that we can like really deal with in a vacuum and you you know it's kind of like you said that that particular narrative was essentially one of the many elements that set the tone of the actual film so when you have that and have that and also everything surrounded it it just flowed Completely. And then also to your point, basically how it ended, you know, how we were just talking about quotes, you know, I am the writing on the wall that, you know, you know, even how it ended, it's still like, I, I, I kind of 
got away, but I'm still suffering from trauma. And I'm still suffering with the fact that I still have to deal with this, this monster that I can barely see, you know? Exactly. So it's, it, you know, it's, it, it was a, one of those things where it's kind of like a, kind of like, you know how, I don't know if you saw Get Out, like yes. how in Get Out, you know, the, the main character, he gets away, but that family, the people who support that family, they still have the same way of thinking. Definitely. It doesn't change so, them one bit. Exactly. It just means that you got away from a bad situation, but it doesn't mean that you're completely safe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so exactly. That's, that, that's where I got from. That's what I, that's one of the things that I would, I would attribute to that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, you know, looking at this cast and everybody that's in it, like, do you feel as though in terms of just everybody fitting into their, their spots and even who, who, who was able to lead the film and who, who was able to be like, you know, even the brother and then you got the wife and, and the, um, and, and just who, who Candyman was. Cause there were, at the end of the film, we see just different versions of Candyman. We see the original Candyman at the end of the film. Like, do you feel as though looking back at this cast and who was put together, do you feel as though every piece kind of was put in the right position for this particular film and was like strategically set up for success? Oh yeah. I mean, just the cast alone, like, like I said, like just the scenes with Tiana Taylor and um, the main character. I mean, that's, that, that's writing that you can only like, that's writing that you can't just give to anybody. You know what I mean? And like in every, every, every person in that cast essentially flowed together. So I think it was set up for success. And then also you got to keep in mind, like Nia DaCosta had, a good writing team with them. And I'm sure uh, Jordan Peele, he'll probably never say it publicly, but Jordan Peele, I do believe, assisted her with how to carry the flow of this type of story along with these particular characters. He definitely had to give her pointers. Definitely had to give her. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I, from jump, it was set up for success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and, and not getting to, with especially Nia DaCosta, with her being so young, um, only 31 and just now making one of the the next great chapters in the uh, evolution of horror. She's also made a, a six minute short called um, The Black Girl Dies Last. Uh, what This is the first, you know, obviously like we both said, like we hadn't heard much about her before this film. But in terms of seeing a, this film from her, what are kind of your current thoughts on just her being an, an emerging artist who's just, whose name is really echoing through Hollywood? I think this is, uh, this, well, I'll say this. Keep in mind, this is her. This is her first film, and she did really well in her first film. I will say that she is. Uh, this this sets her up to be uh, to get more opportunities. She's obviously directing the the uh, Marvels movie, the the Marvels movies with the Captain Marvels. Um, I think she's definitely going to be a breakout star, um, especially from the success from this movie. It seems like obviously this movie is going to do well uh, this up, up and coming weekend. But um, I I don't want to give her like she's going to excel in everything because I don't know, you know, but I think this is a really good start. I I wish her nothing but the best because, again, because this movie was phenomenal and I can't wait to see what she does with the next Marvel movie that's coming out probably not next year, but probably the year after. So I'm 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 interested to see what happens with her and her director uh, director debut. But I think for this film, this was a good start for her. And I see nothing but shooting stars from this point on. If she does it right. Yeah, if she can do it her way and is able to stay in this land, I definitely think she's there's going to be much more success set up for um, going forward. 
And, you know, with this, obviously, like, we've seen what Jordan Peele has been able to do in, 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 in his contributions to films, you know, obviously with us and Get Out. And he's just such a forward-thinking director who's been able to really just put together thriller and horror films in a very just tight spot and really and really make it work. Um, what are kind of your thoughts on just what he's been able to currently do and also like what he can do going forward? Because I still feel as though he has a lot of great work ahead of him and whatever he thinks up next as, as his next directorial film is going to be um, very fascinating and captivating as it always is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll watch anything that Jordan Peele does. Again, I'm not a, uh, a horror type of dude, but Jordan Peele has a whole lot of range. I mean, there's obviously Key and Peele where he's really good at comedy. I think he can direct a great action movie, a yes. great drama movie. I mean, he's been like in a horror movie, he's been able to establish comedy, horror, thriller and action all, in all within, together and all within one genre. Yep. So I think he's very, very talented in what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and now getting to our last topic, 10 years from now, do you still think this will be a um, watch but intriguing movie? Um, for for another, and this is like, you know, this is the first time we're seeing this film. It, it was just released this past weekend. Do you think this can be a watch but intriguing movie in another decade from now? Obviously, there are so many twists in here and, and things that you probably won't catch the first time you see it. Do you think this is a film that can live on another decade from now and be really a rewatchable uh, type of type of movie? Oh yeah, um, especially if how well it's performing. It's I, I don't see why not. I, I, it's one of those movies that I think that will definitely live on. Our my children, their their children, and then their children's children can definitely continue to pass it on. I think though, you know, no one thought about. Uh, as far as I know, no one thought about bringing back Candyman because Candyman. Mm. If you're a horror, if you're a horror fanatic. You're gonna watch Candyman because you like the previous Candyman movies. And again, I'm not a horror dude, but this movie is much, much more than just a horror movie. So for me personally, you know, for people who kind of fit in that gap of, oh, it's not just a horror movie, like we'll watch the thrillers because of certain directors. This, I mean, Jordan Peele has created a lane for himself that not just this movie, but essentially anything that he creates generations are going to watch. I mean, people didn't know anything about Key and Peele, but they watched Get Out, and now they're going back to watch Key and Peele, and they love Key and Peele. So it's just, you know, it's one of those things where it has like a cause and an effect and action and then a reaction. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm tracking to see how well this, this movie does throughout its theatrical run. I have a feeling that it's going to do at least maybe 300 million worldwide, maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, even with this whole pandemic stuff, I, I and that's the pandemic doubt. factor because it was it was originally supposed to come out last last summer. Right. Right. So, I I think it could do that, or maybe somewhere around the two two hundred million. But I think this is a movie to be reckoned with. So, yeah, I think it would definitely last within ten years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think so too. The visuals were just so specific and sharp. The homages uh, to several horror classics were well timed. This is just an amazing amazing portrait of psychological terror that has overall beautiful production design. And I even saw in an interview where they were saying Nia DaCosta, she wanted to pay homage to, to horror films in the past. Like, do you feel as though sometimes when you have a young director who has uh, apparently a very big knowledge, wide range of knowledge of horror films, and, and just like if, if, any, if there's any young director when they're paying homage to films in the past, like, what do you think that, that, that can really show for, for a, a future of a filmmaker? Because she just didn't want to just 
make a unique film, but she also wanted to bring in elements of other horror films in the past to make this seem as though like a very balanced and unique type of movie. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that like paying homage is important. I don't necessarily think it's always necessary, but I yeah. do think it's definitely important. And in and, and this particular sense, since it's somewhat of a continuation you kind of had to pay, yeah. uh, pay homage. It would be then, difficult if you didn't. <laughs> it, it, exactly. So like, and also being a young director and you're having people like Jordan Peele who are essentially like working with you and it's kind of over you. That's the thing you kind of want to do in order for you to get good, like uh, get the best out of your project. So paying homage is definitely important. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, 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 you know, last time you were on here, we asked you like a couple of bonus questions uh, uh, and you were supposed to be on the suicide uh, squad review, uh, but the schedules just didn't line up. What were kind of your thoughts on, on that film? Because like me and Savon both, both felt as though like that was a really impressive, um, solid follow-up to, to the, to the 2016 one, which, you know, wasn't as, as strong, but like, what did you kind of think of Idris Elba being in there, especially what Harley Quinn was able to do and, and, them also having a different director, director and James Gunn, and, tr- and really kind of having a a breakaway type of just high high approval and uh, uh, strong success. Um. Uh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> okay. Um. I, I'm gonna give like the very short answer, but okay. So I I really enjoyed the film. I really okay. really enjoyed the film. I actually met Michael Rucker, who played. Uh, oh man. Uh, I met him at MegaCon uh, actually a couple weeks after the film came out. So wow. he a uh, really good dude. Um, the director and the, the, the character swap and also keeping certain characters from the previous movie was amazing. This is a, definitely a step in the right direction for Suicide Squad. Um, Blood Bloodsport, aside from him and his daughter not really liking each other, he's like a carbon copy of Deadshot. Mm. So my criticism would would only be Will Smith would have probably fit the same bill if he were in replacing uh, Idris Elba as Deadshot because again, like essentially they're essentially the same character. Like they never miss. Yeah, and they and they and both of those characters have shot Superman with kryptonite bullets before. So um, yeah, um, but overall, I think it's definitely a step in the right direction, and I want to see more. I hope James Gunn continues to direct uh, not just projects under the Suicide Squad, but more projects under DC. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a testament of, of Warner Brothers. If they give directors free reign, they're able to do essentially anything they want and make great magic. So I, I really enjoyed the Suicide Squad. Yeah, absolutely. And and and, and, the, and the last thing that we got to get to, the new Spider-Man No Way Home trailer just just came out um recently. Has a has a lot of anticipation for it. Um it, it's really just in, ter- in terms of Tom Holland and this, you know, this movie having a lot of anticipation for it. A lot of people have high hopes for it as well. And in, in terms of just how this direction has gone for him and the different type of path he's having to take, like kind of what are your thoughts on this new trailer and what he's been able to to do as the new Spider-Man because there there have been so many Spider-Mans in the past and now he's having to live up to um, a role and a film now that has a lot of expectation and eyes on it to see how they're going to try to um, expand this and move this uh, further along. Um, I mean, I love the trailer. The trailer yeah, was... Fantastic. The trailer brought me back to the Tobey Maguire days uh, because you... 
I mean, the only villain you really saw was Doc Ock and then potentially Green Goblin, who could potentially be there. Um, but as far as Tom Holland, I mean, I think Tom Holland is kilted as Spider-Man. I mean, that dude, he's portrayed Spider-Man. That's the Spider-Man I read about in comics. Not so yeah. much him being like Iron Man, Iron Man Jr., but him being a kid and figuring out life and becoming the Spider-Man that we all know and love. Like, that's the Spider-Man I read about. And the trailer phenomenal him having to deal with everyone knowing who he is and then messing everything up with Dr. Strange. I mean, again, it was, it was the perfect response to what happened in far from home. Um, now I'm interested to see how far they take it. Um, it hasn't been confirmed that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in the movie, but that's what I was going to get to. Do you, do you believe do you buy that theory at all? Cause some people were saying, Oh, they're going to be in the film as well, but that's, that's been a hot theory going around and, and people are really having a lot of speculation about it. I, my, and I've said this on my show. I think if their villains are in it, they're in it in some way, shape or form. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, and, and I, I said that I said, actually today I said, if they're in the movie, they have 20 minutes or less screen time. Because this is Tom Holland's movie. So I don't believe, like, if we're going to see these other Spider-Men, um, and again, this has not been confirmed. If, I'll, if anything, it's been denied a lot by the people <laughs> who are involved. Yeah. But, you know, people We're not making any Hollywood. breaking news here. We're not making any breaking news here. We're, 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 it's just speculation, <laughs> pure speculation. <laughs> exactly. Like, these people have lied and have lied before, but, yep. you know. <laughs> You know, But it's funny. Andrew Garfield says, oh, I'm not the werewolf, but you never said that you weren't in the movie, though. So, mm. <laughs> you know, and Tobey Maguire, he doesn't really do social social media. So, yeah, we don't we don't, don't know hear if much he's from there him. Or not. As, exactly. So, but uh, do I believe they're in the movie? Yes, I think their if their screen time is less than twenty minutes, max at twenty minutes at the most. Um, and if their villains are in this movie again, it, like that scene where Doc Ock says "Hello, Peter," I don't believe he's talking to Tom Holland. At all. I, yeah, there's no way he's talking to Tom Holland. I, I, I do not believe that at all. Why would he be talking to I didn't to believe that? And I, I remember saying they that. They have no when, history together. I, exactly. Like, how would, how would he know? And then, you know, Alfred Molina, the guy who plays Doctor, said, like, this movie takes place right after the moments of me. Uh, my, my character is uh, essentially transitioning right after the moments from the last time you saw him. So how wow. would you know? How would you know that Tom Holland is Spider-Man? If you don't, if you never met him, you never seen him, never heard about him, and the last time we saw you, you were dead. So, who brought you back to life, or were you taken um, from Spider-Man Two at a time where you were still alive? So, again, so when he says "Hello, Peter," and he says it with assurance that he knows who he's talking to, mm-hmm. I don't believe he's talking to Tom Holland. Then again, I can't be wrong. I don't know. You know, I am not on the set, so. Yeah. See, and the thing with the rankings, see, I personally, Andrew Garfield to me is is the least likable Spider-Man out of, out of all of them. I, I would have Tobey Maguire, mm-hmm. Tom Holland, Andrew, like, like in terms of like the top Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, we we all remember him. I think Spider-Man 2 is one of the best Marvel films like ever. It is just, just such, such a classic sequel. Like, do you think he's still the top one or do you think Tom Holland could possibly, with if this film is is a really breakout film, do you think he could possibly threaten that at all? Or do you think just still one of those solidified Tobey Maguire's at the top of the chain for Spider-Man roles? I think only because Tobey was the first. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's able to hold that rank only because of the fact that he's the first. But in my humble opinion, uh, Tom Holland's already succeeded that because we've seen him more times. 
We've seen him. We've seen we've seen Tom Holland in five films. That is that is true. That's very. And true. then on top of that, like like I said, like when you like Tobey Maguire's Spider Man focuses on Peter Parker as an adult. Like we get him as an adult when we first see him. I mean, we see him in high school in the first movie, but in the second movie, he's graduated high school. He's paying his rent. He's doing all this other stuff. As a kid, I can't relate to that, but. <laughs> But when I look at Tom Holland, who's playing a kid in high school, who's worried about being like, worried about fitting in with his friends, worrying about saving his his neighborhood. And as a kid, I can relate to being like that in school and worrying about all these different responsibilities. When you look at Tobey Maguire, and again, I think Tobey Maguire did an amazing job. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I believe he can still hold that title is because he was first. However... Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man focuses focuses on an older Spider-Man that most people, if you watched a movie older when you were older, then yes, you could relate to him being evicted from his apartment and getting thrown out and things of that nature. Definitely. Um, and then also having to deal with the weight of the world of his hands versus, you know, Tom Holland, who's in the middle of the MCU and have to interact with all these different characters and save his neighborhood. I mean, as a kid having to worry about that, I think more kids are saying, oh, okay, Tom, Tom Holland is my Spider-Man. And that's why I said, like, when I read, when I read Spider-Man growing up, that's the version of Spider-Man that I read, a kid in high school trying mm -hmm. to balance the world in his hands and then still, being, still having to deal the, with all these different Avengers who treat him like a kid. The Tobey Maguire story, it, it was an adult story. Like, he, he, was, yeah. he was fully grown. Like, there was, there was no, like, relatability in terms of if you're a younger kid to, like, actually, like, enjoy that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and 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 the last thing we there's there there's gonna be an into the Spider Verse two seek uh, uh, into the Spider Verse two film in 2022. Obviously, the first one was a very successful film, uh, and, and and just just in a, a great body of work put together. Like in, in terms of what you saw from the first one and what you want to see in the sequel, um, I feel as though it, it has such a high mark to to cross and high bar to cross that this is you know really gonna be a, a testament to how they can take the direction for that. Like. What are you kind of looking for in the sequel um, compared to what you saw in, in the first one? Um, I'm looking for, I mean, I'm looking for more, a more mature Miles Morales. Mm. Um, I personally think, and I, and I like, I loved Spider-Verse. I think Spider-Verse is the best out of all the Spider-Man movies. Oh, yeah. Um, I personally can care less who who he interacts with in terms of other Spider-Men because we've already seen that. So if when they do another Spider-Verse movie, my thing is, is that if you're going to have other Spider-Men in this movie, how are they going to amplify uh, Miles's maturity? Because in by the end of the first movie, as you remember, he be he got he was assured of himself as being the only Spider-Man, the only black Spider-Man protecting his neighborhood from protecting, I believe uh, either Harlem or New York, anywhere in, in New York. Yeah. New York. So for me, so I want to, I, I want to see more of a mature Spider-Man. The maturity uh, wasn't Miles at a high Morales. level. The maturity wasn't at a high level for the last one. Right. Right. And yeah. also just more of a re reassurance. And I mean, again, the adding the different Spider-Man around him was more of the, you know, extra sauce to it. But again, yeah. I, it, it that that did not necessarily sell me on the movie, so I want to see him grow as he gets a little bit more older and more mature into the second installment. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, well, Alex, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on, um, as always, especially the, the, the last one that you did and now for this one. Um, and and continue continue to tell people about Momentum Media, the current things that you have going on with that, because I know you're, you're constantly moving with that. And it's just been an absolute pleasure, man. Oh, anytime, man. You know, I love doing these things. But um, yeah, man, um, you guys can follow me at Momentum Media. Go to YouTube.com slash Momentum Media. If you type in Momentum Media in the, snatch, in the search bar, I'm the first one that pops up. So click on that. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I do a weekly show called The Ask Alex Show, where we talk about movie news, topics, TV topics, things, things of that nature. Also interview celebrities on there as well. Um, we do a show called Real Debates. Uh, Real Debate Season 3 will drop later on this fall, mm. um, where we just debate different movies and different TV shows and different pop culture references. And then um, we just did a live event. Well, it wasn't a live event. We attend, uh, attended Megacon, and I took footage of that and met wow. some celebrities there. So I'm, I'm putting a video together specifically for that so you guys can see that as well. So, um, yeah, we're doing a lot of creative things. Um, I am moving forward with a, a, a couple short films that I'm, I have already developed, but I'm waiting to the pandemic kind Uh-oh. of dies down. We got some new content yeah. on the way. We got some new content on the way. Yeah. Sound the so, alerts. Um, Sound the alerts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm working, I'm building, I'm looking at doing different things and just building up uh the brand so just check us out like i said every week we're putting out stuff uh today i dropped an episode of the ass alex with a couple of clips of stuff so uh, definitely check that out and um yeah that's what we do there awesome man and and, and real quick we, we gotta ask the question are, are you are you do we have you locked in for the spider-man no way home review later december can, 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 can we jot you down to be on that review most definitely awesome most definitely definitely well that wraps it up for tonight i'm your host Wendell burns this has been full scope See you later.